Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. We're so glad you're with us tonight, and we're just going to talk a little bit about Christmas before we have a wonderful time of singing and candlelight service. And we want to talk tonight a little bit about maybe something you thought about before about Christmas. But for me, one of the things that is really always present with me about Christmas is that I always want Christmas to be perfect. I want it to be perfect. I want everything about Christmas to be wonderful. I want everything to be perfect. But so many times when we look at our Christmas There's something wrong with our Christmas, and we get upset that it's not perfect. And here's the thing we need to know, all of us need to know, that there's no such thing as a perfect Christmas. There's probably some of you tonight that you would say, boy, this is great as Christmas, but I wish this was different in my life at Christmas time. Every single one of us have that sort of thing. And so I think at Christmas we always want to have the decorations perfect, we want to have the the presents perfect. We want to have the food perfect. We want to cook our very best dishes. Uh, We want especially the relationships to be perfect. We want everybody to get along at Christmas. But I can bet you that some people here tonight, you've got, even at Christmas time, the relationships aren't as good as they uh, are at other times of year. There's kind of more dysfunction, more that type of thing going on. So we just have this incredible dream of Christmas being perfect, but there's no such thing as a perfect Christmas. It reminds me of the National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. How many ever seen the movie with Chevy Chase in it and Clark Griswold? Clark Griswold was the ultimate Christmas idealist. He wanted Christmas to be perfect. He had this this kind of like uh, idealistic view of what Christmas was going to be like. The family was going to come. Everybody's going to get along. Everybody's going to have a great time. Everything's going to be wonderful. And remember the scene when he's been kind of decorating the house. He's been on top of the roof and he's had his uh, he had his staple gun and he's worked for days. Has been de- decorating the house and then he tries to plug in the lights and they don't work. Here's a picture of his face when the lights don't don't work. And so he's like shocked because he had this perfect dream of what Christmas was supposed to be like. And it was going to look so great. And when he tries to plug it in, it doesn't work. And he has this little meltdown, he kind of, kind of loses it. And he kicks the reindeer and the Santa display on the front yard. And I want to ask you, I just want to ask you privately, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many here have ever had a meltdown during Christmas? Christmas has caused a meltdown for you. All the stress, all the pressure, all the family and all the stuff. That, and I think the meltdown happens because we want it to be so good, but yet sometimes it doesn't add up to what our expectations are. So I think, you know, we got this thing with the, you know, Chevy Chase, he's trying to make Christmas perfect. And one of the things that messes Christmas up for him is a, is a relative that visits him called Cousin Eddie. You remember Cousin Eddie? Here's a picture of Cousin Eddie. Here's Cousin Eddie. And Cousin Eddie just shows up. He just shows up at Christmas time in his rusty old van with his two kids and his wife and the Rottweiler dog. And he shows up, and, and so he calls his stress in Christmas. Now, I don't know if you have a Cousin Eddie in your family. 
somebody that's just a little strange. How many, how many have somebody in your family that's just a little strange? Just raise your hand. Okay, just raise your hand. Now, if you don't have a strange person in your family, you are the strange person. <laughs> but we all have got a cousin Eddie in our family. And sometimes it's not that they're strange, but it's that we have a strained relationship with them. A strained relationship with them. And here's what I believe. I believe that Christmas time somehow highlights our broken relationships. Relationships that aren't good, maybe with a brother, maybe with a sister, maybe with a uh, mom, a dad, maybe with a cousin, maybe somebody that we've successfully avoided seeing for the last 11 and a half months. And we're going to be with them. And so we're a little stressed about that. Here, as I've kind of like gotten a little older and kind of living my life, one of the things that I've discovered is that sometimes this thing about Christmas and these strange relationships is that this is, is really true. I think that we are called to forgive everybody. You know, the Bible says when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So in our hearts, we have to forgive those relationships that are broken. We have to forgive those things. Maybe it's a, a, a divorce. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship with, a, with, with someone that was close to us. Or maybe it's a, you know, a, a sibling that we have a broken relationship, with, broken relationship with. But that can sort of become the shadow, can overshadow our Christmas and can ruin our Christmas if we're not careful. And here's what I think we need to remember. First of all, we're called to forgive everybody, but it's impossible to be reconciled with everybody. Say that with me. We are called to forgive everybody, but it's not possible to be reconciled with everybody. Because it says in the book of uh, Romans, as much as depends on you, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. That's a great, great liberating verse because it says, as much as depends on you, live at peace. So you do your part. You do everything you can in order to have a good relationship. But sometimes there's not a cooperative party on the other side. So you have to just basically accept the fact that certain people are the way they are. And that's an incredible breakthrough in life. When you make up your mind, it's not your job to be the renovator of people anymore, that you're not a personality renovator, but you can accept people for who they are and just forgive them from your heart and just lay that before the Lord. It's very, very liberating. I remember when I was a kid, when I was about uh, maybe six, seven years old, I met this kid across the uh, field from where I lived, a guy named Henry Lee Henry, and uh, we got to know each other. We were the only two boys in the neighborhood, and so we got to be friends, and we used to get together. We had dirt chunk fights. We'd get on these big dirt piles, and we'd have these dirt chunk fights, and so our relationship was basically based on throwing rocks at each other. That's what our relationship was based on, but I remember one day we decided that uh, we were playing on this big uh, mound of black dirt, and we decided to dig a ton. Uh, from one side to the other side. So little Henry got on the other side of the dirt pile. I got on the other side. And as little boys do, we started kind of poking a hole through that dirt pile. And we started digging uh, a tunnel. And we were trying to dig a tunnel so we would get a tunnel to meet all the way through. And so we worked on it for I don't know how long. And so after a while, these two little boys, me and Henry Lee Henry, we finally broke through and light came in the tunnel and our little dirty fingers touched each other. And that's a wonderful picture of reconciliation. 
reconciliation can only occur when two parties deal with the dirt on their side. And how many know that sometimes that, doesn't, that isn't always possible? So at Christmas time, one of the things you remember about your, your cousin Eddie, the cousin Eddie in your life, remember this. Remember, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all people. And also remember this. Remember that your job is to forgive them from your heart and to not let them ruin your Christmas because Christmas is not about Cousin Eddie. And if you go into Christmas thinking about Cousin Eddie, what Cousin Eddie looks like, and you're going to be thinking about Cousin Eddie, and you're dreading seeing this Cousin Eddie figure in your life, if you make him the focus of your Christmas, it's going to ruin your Christmas. But Christmas is not about seeing the relative that you have a hard time with or the person that you have a broken relationship with. Christmas is not about that. Christmas is about seeing Jesus. It says that the wise men came from afar to see Christ. I guess they were firemen. They came from afar. Anyhow, that's a really bad joke. It's such a bad joke, I keep telling it over again, hoping it would get better, but it never does. But they came from a far distance away. We think it was Persia and wherever it was that they came from to the east. And they came from one reason. They came to see Jesus. And they came to worship Jesus. Christmas is not about Cousin Eddie. Christmas is about seeing Jesus. The shepherds, as the shepherds were out in the field, not too far from where Jesus was born. The shepherds out in the field, not too far from where Christ came to this earth and he was born in that cave. It says, after the angels appeared to them, that they made a proactive decision. The angels didn't say, go to Bethlehem and see the child. The angels didn't say that. The angels just told them about good news. And then they made the decision... They made the decision to go and see the Christ child. And they said, let us go and see this thing that has happened, which is Christ the Lord. And so basically, we have to make a decision. We make a decision at Christmas not to look at those broken relationships, but we make a decision to look at Jesus. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, when it says in the Greek, looking unto Jesus, the word looking in the Greek means to turn away from something and look to something else. So this Christmas, if you're looking at a broken relationship, if you're looking at something that's caused you great pain in this past year, it's going to ruin your Christmas. But this is the the year to make up your mind that you're going to look unto Jesus and make him the focus of your Christmas. Say this with me, making Jesus... The focus of my Christmas will make my Christmas great. Say it one more time. Making Jesus the focus of my Christmas will make my Christmas great. So the perfect Christmas sometimes is ruined by, you know, this Cousin Eddie concept. Sometimes the perfect Christmas is ruined by something sad that's happened in our life. Maybe there's somebody that is not at our Christmas table this year that was at our Christmas table last year. For me, this is the first year I have ever had without my mother. My mother passed away in July uh, 21st of this last year. And so it was just odd this this morning when we had a get-together that my mom wasn't there. But you know what I think about when I think about my mom? I think about, you know, her uh, being her first Christmas in heaven. Her first Christmas in heaven. She's with the Lord, and she's seeing the Lord. My grandparents, uh, who passed away many years ago, I was very close to my grandparents, and they are with the Lord. And my granddad, I grew up on a little farm not too far from uh, uh, in, in the Seaford area. And my granddad, when I was growing up as a little kid, my granddad never bought a Christmas tree. But every year he would go out in the woods, he would take his axe, and he would go out in the woods, and he would cut down a cedar tree. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever had a cedar Christmas tree, but a cedar Christmas tree is the best smelling Christmas tree you'll ever have. It doesn't look so great, but it really smells wonderful. And I can see my granddad pulling that cedar tree across the soybean field, and he would bring it in the house, and they would set it up, and they would sit around that Christmas tree, they would decorate it. And I remember Christmas breakfasts at my grandparents' house, them sitting around, we all sitting around that cedar tree after breakfast and giving out gifts. So this year, my vision, this is my vision. This is what I see. My mom dearly missed my, uh, missed my grandmother and her dad, my grandfather. And this year, I think in heaven, there's a cedar tree. I think there's a cedar tree. And I think my mom... And my grandmother and my granddad are sitting down there with Karen's mom and dad having Christmas together because I believe in heaven. You know, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And there's another time that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and that was when he was buried, when Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And it says that the, the wise men, they brought myrrh to present to Jesus. And when Jesus was buried... Myrrh was there. It says specifically in the text in John 19 that when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus buried Jesus, they wrapped myrrh in his, in his grave garments. And when Jesus was born, it was a picture that he would taste death for all men and that he himself said as he grew up as a, as a, as a young man, he said, I am the resurrection, the way and truth. And if we are missing somebody this Christmas that knew Jesus, let me tell you something. They're having a better Christmas than we're going to have because they're with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you can take great comfort that they're with the Lord this Christmas season. Can you say big amen? amen. It's a really incredible thing. So this past week... Uh, somebody in our church, uh, a lady that's about my age, which I consider young now, I keep moving the mark there, you know, and uh, she, uh, her, her dad passed away, and uh, I got a call here at the church, and so she didn't live too far from here, so I went to, went to visit her, and when I went to visit her, her husband was there, and, uh, and I walked into their beautiful house, and they had uh, a beautiful Christmas tree, this big, beautiful, uh, real tree, uh, kind of with country decorations and white lights on it. And I sat down with her and her husband, and she told me about her dad, how her dad loved Jesus, how her dad wasn't perfect, but he knew the grace of God. And she told me about her dad, and as she talked about her dad, she was weeping and crying. And I'm sitting there, and I thought, what an ironic picture. Here's the most beautiful Christmas tree I've seen in a long time. And this beautiful lady weeping beside the Christmas tree. And sometimes tears and Christmas trees go together. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that God is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all hope. And if you think about the first Christmas, the first Christmas wasn't perfect. We make this really big deal about, you know, the first Christmas was so beautiful. It was so wonderful. Everything was so great. We're really not reading the text very carefully. Because think about the manger. The manger was a stall. And there was straw on the ground. And straw on the ground was filled with cow manure, donkey manure, uh, there were spider webs hanging down from the ceiling. It was cold. And how about this? I never thought about this until uh, just recently. You know, the, the manger scene had no electricity. They didn't run electric wire from the end to the manger that they could flip a switch and the light would be on. It was dark. 
It was dark, and Jesus was born in the dark. Mary was there, and she's a teenage girl, and she's got some swaddling clothes, and her and Joseph are just kids, and they're in this dark cave. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Messiah, the anointed one that was prophesied for hundreds of years in the Old Testament, was born in the dark. And they saw him in the dark for the first time. The light of the world was born in a dark cave. Whatever vision you have of the manger, you know, is all, you know, I love mangers and all that. There's a big controversy in our community about mangers. And uh, for interesting, it's interesting, Rehoboth said, you know, they couldn't have any mangers in the, in the town. The mayor said you couldn't do that. And I'm telling you what, there's mangers everywhere in Rehoboth. You go in Rehoboth, there's like mangers everywhere. There's a manger on the top of the Starbucks store. I'm telling you, there's mangers at the Barrett Hair Day. There's a guy in a pickup truck riding around with a manger. I don't, I'm not even sure any of these people even believe in Jesus. They say, tell us we can't have a manger. We're going to have a manger. You're like, That's just the American spirit. You tell them you ain't going to do something, they're going to do it. But we have all these versions of the manger. But the manger was dark. And I don't know. I know he didn't have a flashlight. Maybe he had some kind of torch. And they're in the dark. They're in the cold. They're spider webs. And this was not at all what Mary expected. And if you've ever expected a Christmas to be one way, and it was a completely different way, I want you to know that Jesus is always revealed in our disappointments and our darkness. When you're going through a dark time, I know I talked to somebody just recently, their child is on, uh, going through a drug addiction issue, and there's probably in this audience, there's a number of people that you've got that issue going on. There's a number of people that have gone through divorces. There's a number of people that have gone through really, really painful things. But I want you to know, Jesus is real in your disappointment, and he's real in your darkness because Jesus has come, and his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I just preached a few moments ago down in Fenwick Island at our uh, campus down there at 5 o'clock, and there was a young man, young, not a young man, a man probably in his early 70s sitting uh, on the front row that's been going through cancer treatments, and we talked about you know, his Christmas. And I'm here to tell you, whatever your Christmas is like, it's not that much different than the original Christmas. And the original Christmas was dark. It was difficult. You have Herod the Great killing the innocent. It was a world of pain. It was a world of suffering. It was a world of disappointment. It's a world of injustice. And the King of Kings and the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament was born into that world. The reason I follow Jesus is because Jesus makes a difference not in an imaginary perfect world, Jesus makes a difference in the world that I live in and the world that you live in. I want you to say this with me. Jesus is help for me in the world that I live in. So whatever you're going through this Christmas, I want you to hear what Matthew 1.23 says. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Preaching down to Hammock, I said to that guy on the front row, the Lord is with you, with your cancer. The Lord is with you 
with your addictive uh, son or daughter. The Lord is with you with what you're struggling with. The Lord is with you because the King of Kings was not born into this imaginary, Pollyannish, Disney World kind of world. He was born into a cold, dark cave with spiders and manure on the floor. And that's the kind of God I can serve and I can help. I, I can follow because of what he has done for me. I want you to say this with me. The Lord is my strength. An ever-present help in trouble. So maybe, maybe you going into this Christmas and you've got all this stuff buzzing around you and you're not sure you can have a great Christmas because your Christmas isn't perfect. And there is no such thing as a perfect Christmas. But the perfect one was born at Christmas. And because the perfect one was born into an imperfect world, I can latch on to him and find strength in him. So, Karen and I, we have this Christmas tree that we bought about three years ago, and it's one of those trees you put together, and it plugs in, so and it, the lights are already wrapped around the, the limbs, and you just put it together and plug it in, the lights are all there, and it's an amazing tree, and we just loved it. It's been great. every For three years in a row, it's been lighting up every time. You know how sometimes they don't light up the second year, and you... I had to go buy a new one, but this has just like been good. We just put it together and it lights up. And here's a picture of our, our white tree Christmas light. So we, we love this tree, and it's a beautiful tree. Karen decorates it. Karen puts it together. Uh, Karen does everything. So it's a wonderful tree there. <laughs> so my job is I let you have a tree. I decree you can have a tree. So there you are. But she does all the work. You know, I do drag it down from the attic. Uh, and uh, so anyhow, we have this tree. We love this tree. So we came home the other night, and our some of you know that my son Joel and his wife Stacy and our two grandkids are living with us now as they build a house. They've been with us for three and a half months or so, and uh, they got the foundation in. So anyhow, we're working on this. Uh... <laughs> so we, we come home the other night. We've been somewhere. We walk in, and the tree has colored lights on it. And here's what it looked like. And uh, I thought, wow, that's bold. That's bold. You live with us, and while we're gone, you change the Christmas lights, you know? That's uh, grounds for raising the rent a little bit, in my opinion. So I said something to Stacey in a loving, kind way. Why did you change the Christmas lights? I said that to her, and she said, uh, she said Dad, I didn't change the Christmas lights. She said, there's a, there's a little box on the back. It's got a little switch. If you turn the switch, it can change the color of the Christmas lights. And so she took me back there, and sure enough... They can be white, or you can turn it, they can be colored. Or you can turn another thing, and they'll blink. <laughs> so for three years, we had this Christmas light, and we did Christmas tree, and we didn't know it had different color lights. I said to Karen, didn't you read the box? Didn't you not read the box? So we leave it on color all the time now. It's great. Like we got a new Christmas tree. It's amazing. And the thing about Christmas is, is you can change how Christmas looks by how you look at Christmas. You can change how Christmas looks by how you look at Christmas. When you look at Christmas through the lens of the Son of God who stepped into your real world and is here to help you and redeem you, it doesn't matter what's going wrong in your life. The most important event in history 
you are connected with. You're connected with that. Some of you heard me tell the story about the, the, the church in Los Angeles. I think it was a Catholic church. That Christmas morning, the priest was walking to the church, and the, uh, the baby in the manger scene was missing, and they were a bit upset. It was a very nice manger scene, very big Catholic church, and the Christ child was missing out of the, out of the manger. And so they called the police, and the police are kind of scanning the area, and they come across this this little boy that's uh, got a wagon and they look in the wagon and the little manger Jesus is in the wagon and he's pulling Jesus in the wagon. And they said, son, why did you steal the baby Jesus out of the manger scene of the big Catholic church in Los Angeles? And the little boy said, well, I asked Jesus for a wagon for Christmas and I said, if you give me a wagon, I'll give you the first ride in it. <laughs> so there's always something to be thankful for at Christmas. Would you lift your hands to the, the Lord who loves you? We're going to get ready to sing, and I want you to lift your hands to the Lord, and I want you just to let Him wash over you hope and healing. There's been some unjust things, some unfair things, some painful things that have happened to you, but Jesus has come to redeem you and help you through the cold, dark world that you live in. He's come to heal your heart. It says in Luke, he's come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to give sight to the blind, people that can't see anything good. And I believe that as we're praying right now, the Holy Spirit is opening people's eyes. That have, You've been blind to the good things in your life, and the Lord's going to help you begin to see things in a beautiful way. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name.